Okay, and welcome to the Freo Big Footy Podcast, Episode 3. Today we'll be looking at the uh, review of the game from last week between Melbourne and Fremantle. We'll be looking at team selections, the upcoming game against Adelaide and Fremantle, as well as looking at some uh, list management stuff, looking at the uh, possible delists and trading at the end of the year. This week we've got uh, our regular back in Seppo. How are you, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. It's uh, always good to uh, come off a uh, 90-point victory. How are you, Valkram? I'm doing good. Back to, glad to be back again. Yeah, great to have you back. And for the first time this week, we have Braidsman. Welcome aboard. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. No worries. We've got the local Adelaide resident to uh, give us a bit of an insight with South Australian point of view. Absolutely. Oh. And it'll be uh, good to see how we uh, get some insight from uh, Braidsman about how the uh, Crows are going over there, because I'm sure they'll... Uh, no doubt, uh, be confident of their chances this week against us, um, especially if you listen to the uh, five triple A call from or five double A call from last week. It was, uh, you know, it was a quite a uh, entertaining call to say the least. So this week we've got. Uh, last week we saw uh, Melbourne uh, come across to uh, Perth, and I've seen some pretty bad Frio time um, games in my time, but I'd have to say that uh, that Melbourne side we saw last week was probably just about the worst side. Uh, I've seen play at Patterson's for many a long time. The uh, final score there was 19 goals 16 to uh, 6 goals 4 with a uh, 90-point win to uh, Fremantle. So uh, what do you think, boys? Well, I thought it was um, a pretty good performance from our guys, even though we did seem to take the foot off for a bit and Melbourne, Melbourne back into it. But overall, we had a great spread of goal kickers. Um, it was hard to pick at the end of the game any sort of non-performers or guys that really look like they're on the chopping block. So it was good to see that it was... A bit disappointing we didn't get over the 100 mark. But, look, we proved our percentage to get over Sydney. And I was just having a quick look over the um, top stats for round nine across all boards. And we actually had a couple of uh, leading um, um, sort of stats with, you know, 25 possession, contested possessions from five, should I say. Um, he led all contested possessions for that round. Ibo had 14 marks, more than anyone else. Mundy had 10 clearances, which was, I think, equal to one of the Eagles guys, but, um, and then Barlow had the most dream team points for the round with 149. So it was a very good performance right across the board and just hard to pick out one sort of class player that really sort of stood out. It's just a good team performance. Well, if you look at the dream team, so I think there's like 11 players or 10 players turned up in dream team. Yeah, it's good, good spread. It's not hard. It's pretty easy against Melbourne. I was going to say against Witches Hatches. Yeah, I thought it was a, a pretty good performance by us. Um, the first half was really good. The uh, Obviously, the second half wasn't so great. I did get a bit nervous in the uh, first minute when Melbourne went up, you know, and scored straight away. It kind of looked like, oh, here we go. Are we going to lose to Melbourne? But uh, obviously, we, we came back straight after that and put on, what, seven goals in the first quarter to, to one. So that was brilliant. Yeah, it was a great response admit. to that first goal. <laughs> I must admit, I was sitting, sitting at home watching the game and just like, Barlow's kicked it and it's gone straight to Watson. I've just sat, sunk my head down and went, are you serious? Really? <laughs> but then, what, the next seven in a row, ten in a row? Ten in a row. Yeah, we had a ten in a row at one point. Yep. I mean, I think, we, I think they only had eight inside 50s for the first half, which is pretty deplorable. Um, I mean, even in most amateur games, you don't get it sort of that bad. So it was a pretty uh, pretty poor effort by the uh, Melbourne Demons. And uh, But it was nice to see that uh, Mundy sort of got back to a bit of form this week with... Uh, Especially when he sort of they let him off the leash and decided to uh, tag Fife instead. 
Yeah. He must have had a bad BO that week because uh, absolutely no one was standing next to him at any pack whatsoever. It was kind of a bit strange that they would let probably our best midfielder off the leash. It's just, yeah, confusing by Neil. But they were like that all across the ground, though. I mean, I mean look, Mazungu takes a mark in between three Melbourne players right in the goal square and they just all stand there and let him play on. I mean, Their position was like the worst game. I've seen. It across terrible. all games, it was just terrible. And the way they were playing so loose and letting our our guys are obviously used to having a bit more competitiveness around the ball and we're trying to get the plus one, but we had the plus five in most... Like the photo that showed, you know, five players around the ball as Mundy was dishing off that handball. That's just hilarious. It just shows the non-resemblance of a game plan from Melbourne, really. It was just... Um, Embarrassing, really. I sort of felt sorry for him at one stage. We were just sort of cutting them up and running, streaming Mighty Ducks style with the ball out of uh, our midfield. It's... Yeah, I felt sorry for a sec, and I, you know, we kick another goal, and I forgot all about that. Yeah, <laughs> does go away yeah. very quickly. <laughs> they look like they got a massive lack of fitness as well, because obviously some of the guys that Mazungu goal you speak of, I saw. I think it was that uh, young Michael Evans. Obviously, he's in his first season, but he kind of ran and saw Mazungu stopped, kind of jogged again, and then the ball went straight to Mazungu, and he's still 15 metres behind, even though Mazungu was standing there the whole time. Yeah. So they are in some serious trouble over there. you got to, you got to cut a little bit of slack for your first-year players like that, but, I mean, yeah. they've got plenty of seasoned players, really. I mean, Lyndon Dunn, Colin Garland, Seller, um, Shannon Burns, um, you know, lots of guys. Yeah. Neville Jetta, you know, all these sorts of guys who can, should know what they're doing by now. And yeah, they're I think just, they're, they're, I feel. I actually feel sorry for James Frawley. Yeah, I that think guy, the, um, that guy no, works his butt off every week against the big forwards, and he gets no help anywhere else. Yeah, I think the uh, Melbourne defence. I don't think who doesn't matter who you put down there. I mean, you could put the best players in the world, and they'd struggle with the amount of not only the amount of ball that comes down there, but how easily it comes. And even when um, the, they were bringing the ball out last week, you saw six guys sort of hanging around the back there, chipping it side to side. And Frio just clogged up the middle because there was no way they were going to kick over the top of them. So really, mm. you're playing sort of 12 on 18, and they were just waiting for them to make a mistake. And I mean, I think it was sort of, you know, sort of shown out in the end when um, I can't remember who it was kicked it into the back of Frawley's head. Hell's you know, bringing it out of the 50, you know, I think that sort of <laughs> epitomised the uh, sort of day they were having. Well, the TV coverage, I thought that Savannah had actually smothered that, and then you saw the replay, and you're going, oh, that's just prototypical of what they're where they're at. I thought the uh, ruck combination last week with Hanneth and uh, Clark and, um, did a fantastic job on um, Jamer, not so, even in the hitouts, but especially around the ground. And the um, skills of Hanneth with his foot skills, I thought, were tremendous. How good was that goal from almost just dead on 50, that run? I didn't think it had it in him, but it's good to see that we've got almost two mobile ruckmen with Clark and <coughs> Hanneth that are capable of playing all over the grounds. And I don't know who's the better forward now because they're both showing they, they can actually do it up front. I think, I think Hanif looks like the better better forward. He's not as mobile as Clark, but that goal was extra special. But he just doesn't look as mobile as Clark. But he looks like he's probably better at taking those clunky marks than Clark is at times. Yeah, that's true. I suppose Hanif has got a bit of development though, so his body's still going to grow in and he's probably fill out. And he may take a bit of that pace off, but he's he's obviously um, good grab as well, which Clark was missing. But Clark's obviously got the better athleticism to compete right around the whole ground. So we might probably go into the game again with Clark being the um, mobile ruckman and Park well, Hanneth in the forward line. Well, because what Clark had, what, 20 hitouts? I think Hanneth had about five, five or six. He didn't have a great deal, but, and I think Jamo had 34. But, I mean, the work, as you're saying, the work around the ground from Clark, from Clark was just absolutely destroying Jamo. 
Yeah, it seemed like they were playing hardest down forward most of the time from when, yeah. from what I remember watching. And um, Clark started off in good fashion again, and you can see he's still building up his fitness because he obviously started in great fashion against Sydney, same sort of thing, and then kind of dropped off in the second half, um, which was a bit disappointing, but hopefully he can build that up this week because he'll definitely need it. But we had the same thing with Monday and Barlow last year. We first half of the year, first two-thirds of the year, though, you could see they were going good for, for part of the game and then dying off because of fitness. I mean, hopefully the same thing come the pointy end of the season. Zach Clark's in uh, full fitness and be able to run like that all game. Yep, and I think the uh, continued uh, great work of the defence as well, although the ball didn't come down there, just the way Spur and Ibbotson are working across that back line at the moment um, is just, uh, you know, tremendous. And, uh, you know, as you said, Ibbotson's probably in career best form at the moment uh, compared, you know. And I mean, not I've, probably, he is. Yeah, I, yeah absolutely. And I don't, and I've, you know, sometimes not been his biggest fan, but I just think at the moment, yeah, you're right, he's in career best form. And, I mean, it was even quite uh, interesting last week to see uh, McFarland's. Uh, face when he sort of got subbed off. <laughs> it was uh, not that happy. He sort of thought he'd missed out on a few points himself, I think, in the dream team. Yeah, I think um, I think Ibbotson going back in there has definitely freed up Duffield. He's allowed to come forward a lot more because um, Duffield would have been in that position taking the, the you know, chopping across marks like Spur, but having Ibbotson down there has definitely loosened up Duffield and allowed us to push forward a lot further. And you, it's funny, we definitely... seem to have a... Sorry, you go. Yeah, I was saying with the Duffield part, you definitely want him kicking the ball out from that half back through the midfield line because right or left foot, I think he's one of the better kicks we have. That's better true. kicks off both feet. We've also got more sort of intercepting mark type players that are going harder at the contest when the ball's coming down there. So obviously Melbourne didn't send it in that much, but it was pretty good and to see that against Sydney with Ibbotson and Spur and even Duffield at stages flying into the packs and mopping up that ball coming and, and in, so we're going to see that a lot more. Even Clancy, yeah, getting him down the back, so um, we're going to need that a lot more against Adelaide than we did against Melbourne, but um, it's it's a good good part of our defence. Well, it's good. you got you got Ibo and Duffield sort of mopping up, cleaning around the back. You've got Spur and Pierce doing their hard work, and you've got, uh, obviously, the big posts in, in Zach and uh, McFarlane, and then you've got Johnson as well running around, taking third man up, taking clearing marks. It's it, it's all the injuries we have. We haven't had anything down there, and those guys are just, well, they're the number one defence in the, in the game. It's the uh, area we can at least afford injuries probably as well, unfortunately, uh, as we saw last year with uh, McFarlane going down before the final against uh, the Crows. That was uh, yeah. disastrous for us. It just shows that a good team is built on rock-solid defence, and you can you know, you have a couple of rotations through the midfield of these younger players and a, a half-cooked forward line. And if you've got that solid back, it's going to help you win games. And we've got the number one defence in the AFL at the moment, and it's showing. So. Yeah, I think that was an interesting stat during the week. They were saying that even though Fremantle has had quite a few injuries, we've actually only used 29 players throughout the year, which is, I think, uh, equal lowest in the competition, or there might be one team with 28. But we're pretty much down the bottom, even though we've had uh, a number of our top players out. Yeah. All right, so this uh, week's game we've got coming up is against Adelaide and the uh, team selections this week. Not a lot of selection news, actually. Adelaide are going in unchanged and Fremantle uh, just one change this week with Stephen Hill coming in for Cameron Sutcliffe. Yeah, well, I think it's good to see Hill come back after passing his fitness test and we do need that added, added extra run. I'm not sure how much of a help it's going to be with the wet weather because I've just had a quick look at the... Um, uh, forecast. And we've got showers, thunderstorms, a bit of rain, and 18 expected um, in the afternoon on Saturday. So I don't know, Brad, if you can give us a bit of a um, 
an idea of what it's going to be like there. And I haven't seen too much wet weather footy at um, Amy Stadium, so the, the local the local insight. Well, I guess the last wet weather game was actually this year against the Western Bulldogs. I actually, I was at that game. It uh, basically bucketed down before the start of the game and then during the first quarter. And that game was an absolute debacle to watch. Uh, probably the worst game I've ever seen live at AFL level. There was just everyone's kicking it. Oh, the wind was there, but everyone was kicking off the side of the boot. And you would think they'd never played with a wet ball before. Um, as for this weekend's weather, it's supposed to be raining a lot tomorrow, but um, being Adelaide, you It'll say it'll rain and then it won't rain. Um, it's very chop change. It might say like showers, but that'll probably mean like a sprinkle. And generally it's inconsistent across where it hits in Adelaide as well. So it might hit in the centre of Adelaide, but it might not hit West Lakes. The, um, I think the wind will be the ma- major factor. If, it, if it's definitely meant to be like uh, wet, then it's probably going to be windy. And given that West Lakes is right next to the ocean, um, you'll probably see a breeze coming off the sea and probably going across the ground, maybe towards the northern end. And always plays havoc with the goal kicking at either side. I know it swirls around a bit. I've been twice to see games there, and it does swing around either ends where the goals are, and the guys have to watch that. But it's just interesting to see with um, Subin versus Silk Sutcliffe as the replacement for Hill. Um, obviously, Sutcliffe's come out, and obviously it's a life for life with a lighter runner, and they're, they're probably expecting the wet weather to keep Subin in there, even though he came on as a sub and didn't have too much of an impact. And I would say that Sutcliffe had the better game, and you drop... Um, Subin, but maybe they're just saying oh, put the harder body in there, the guy with the more runs on the board, and it's going to be more back, contested back footy in, in a yeah, it's contested contested footy in a wet weather game, and that fifty metre kick of Subin is probably going to be um, coming to advantage on a wet ball if you're just trying to clear the area. The I was ball. a bit, uh, I was going to say I was a bit surprised he was a sub last week. I suppose they had to pick someone, but I thought he'd been in pretty good form. Um, he actually came off the bench, didn't do too badly straight away. Um, I think he. I think he well, had less than 10 possessions, but he only came on late in the third quarter. I think he was the only person to have less than 10. So it, was, um, it wasn't a bad performance, but obviously being a sub is pretty hard to put in a good performance at times. But who, but who else do you put as a sub? Though? That's the problem at the moment is the team's actually playing that good. Is Who do you pick as a sub? See, I'd be picking Subin for the sub again this week. Yeah. yeah it's, it's him or Mazunga, really. But Mazunga had crazy, a good game last week. As well. Yeah, Crozier is probably the other one because the lighter body in, in the wet. Yeah, he, he won't be able to show off his skills as much as he has in a dry, big open space of Subi. So maybe Crozier might be uh, a chance for the sub. But do, do we actually send all three emergencies over? They said they're a 25 man squad. So both Tabiner, Sheridan, and Sutcliffe have all gone across on the plane, or is it just the two? The news was saying 25's gone. Yeah. So it's a bit unusual. It normally is a bit unusual. Normally they just sort of tend to send, tend one, send one over, but maybe they're a bit worried about Silvani's ankle from last week. Um, you know, Hill might do a late change. And also, as you said, depending on the weather, they may look to change the side a bit. I think Crozier, though, will still play. If the ball gets down there and it's in the wet, it's going to be hard for our guys to take a mark. So they might just need that little bit of brilliance in the, um, in the crummers on the forward line there. I suppose without Walters there, he's really filling that role of what Walters and Ballas would do for the forward line. So we are going to need that in the wet. So it's probably a smart move. And the Tabiner obviously, is coming across to... The contingency plan for Silvani if he doesn't come up. And then poor Sheridan that's been the emergency about four or five times now and, and hasn't played much. Um, well, I don't think he's missed out too much waffle from being the emergency, but you just hope he gets a chance at some point. And, He'll appear um, with the bye, I think, this weekend as well. So that's probably yeah, why we're taking a lot of missing out. Yeah. I, think, um, I think there might even be a late change. I'm just, just guessing here, but, but if it is 
wet and windy, you might see maybe Hanneth drop out for one of the young runners and you'd have maybe Dawson ruck part-time because Adelaide don't have such a good tall forward line anymore. They've got Tom Lynch, but he can be pretty covered by Johnson because he's not a massive tall marking forward. He can take a good mark every now and then, but he's not extremely talented. Plus you've got, I think, Josh Jenkins is the other one that you'd put either Dawson or, or McFarlane on. So I think you can rotate through there. And that may be something that they might be looking at. And the other the other point in that as well is what with what you're saying is, I mean, Hanneth would probably be a reasonable uh, matchup for Brent Rutten down back. But if you take Hanneth out of there, all of a sudden, on a, if particularly if it is a wet day, um, Rutten probably doesn't have the mobility to go with any of our sort because we'll generally go in with a smaller forward line. I think he may struggle with a matchup down there, particularly if it is wet and uh, slippery down there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he'd probably match up on Silvani, and then they probably have to put someone like Talia on Maine. I think Maine would probably beat him off the lead and would push up the ground a bit more. And Talia doesn't generally like to push up the ground a lot, so that could be a matchup that might work in our favour. That's true. Obviously, the uh, big matchups this week look through the midfield there with uh, both teams having a full strength midfield in there. I mean, Adelaide have really only got a couple of injuries, and obviously, Tex Walker, one of them. Uh, Matthew Wright, who's done done the job on us in the last couple of times we played him, particularly in the home and away. Is, uh, but he was dropped for the last game for them, so he's, he's not back in, is he? No, no, he's no, got the week off. Yeah, he's, um, he's back for North Adelaide, which is unfortunate because they're playing my team West Adelaide this week, but we won't go into that. <laughs> so um, obviously one will be uh, to consideration is uh, Crowley, whether he'll go to Dangerfield like he did in the finals last year. I and think I'll... that's a smarter move. Get yeah. Crowley. Well, who's he going to go to? Is it him or Thompson? I and think I don't think I, Thompson's as damaging as as Dangerfield. I I don't think Dangerfield's too dangerous. I, at times, like if if he starts to get on a run on, is maybe when you put someone like Crowley on. But I would start Crowley on Sloan. I think Sloan is actually their best pure midfielder. I think Dangerfield is more a half forward flanker because he doesn't have a great kicking game because um, obviously I watch a lot of Crows games living in Adelaide and having uh, parents and brothers that go for Adelaide so I've been to a few games um, he just doesn't have the general kicking game he's good in and under he'll get a lot of hand passes out but that's something he generally can't stop half the time anyway it, it, even if Crowley was on it I think last time he had 18 possessions and 13 of them handballs so it's basically just trying to prevent that handball from getting to a Crows player um, I think obviously Crowley would be the best matchup on on um, on Sloan. Yeah, I mean Sloan killed us too in that first game last year at Subiaco in the last quarter. So that fourth they may, quarter, yeah, they may he look at either. that. He's he's a very what, hard did he get runner. Three goals or something in that fourth quarter, two something or three. Like that, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he's I think, a very um, hard runner as well, and he pushes yeah. up the ground a lot. And you will see him basically run from forward to defence nonstop. And that's someone that Crowley has to go on, and maybe even Mazungu. But I don't think he's going to Yeah, we would be playing a long runner. And he, I think he's not tight enough, I don't think. They may also try and uh, obviously, like, they may look at Monday going head to head with Thompson as well, that freeze Monday up. Or um, so, you know, they might damage, they'd rather probably have Monday delivering the ball and they'll let Thompson have his. I mean, Thompson tends to be more damaging across from half back to, you know, centre, where, you know, they may look at Monday or depends on where Van Berlo goes as well, because obviously he'll be the other defensive midfielder they'll use in there, I would have thought. Yeah, Van Bello generally matches up on the opposition, more one of the opposition's better midfielders because they don't really have a pure tag of themselves. I know Carriage came in and tagged Ryan Griffin at the Bulldogs game, but um, they don't 
really have a pure tagger. So Van Berlo is usually the one who goes in as a stopper and also a ball winner himself. So I think he'd probably match up on Monday and they'd pro and we'd probably try and get Monday on Thompson. So it might be a win for us if they have two on one. Well, we've seen a lot of the last couple of weeks, they're actually sending their tagger to Fife as well. So I wonder if they choose to tag Fife over Monday. But I think Monday's going to be having a blinder no matter who they try and throw on him or let him go. Well, would, so. we, would we be trying to move um, Barlow through on Thompson? That way you've got two sort of in and under players playing off each other and let the best man win. That could be an yeah, option. Yeah. point. Yeah. So obviously with um, – and obviously they'll be trying to get the uh, run of Hill and Pierce. Um just to be certainly, if it gets out in the open there on Adelaide, I mean, if you can get if you can get into space, you know, you can generally sometimes uh, get the ability to run through, as we've seen Dangerfield do, and even Fremantle last year, they had their chances. Um, you know, once they got the ball, quick ball movement through there. Yeah, we just hope that the uh, wet doesn't affect that run. So, and the good thing about this game is this is going to be the last time Freo play at Footy Park, and obviously from now on in, it's off to Adelaide Oval and get out of that whole Footy Park. So that'd be really good. And we can, we can actually go pretty hard in this game because the guys know that they've got the bye to have the rest, but the Crows obviously have to get up the next week and play Sydney. So I suppose hopefully we can go for more of an effort across the four quarters and know they can leave it all on the field and, and play a really good game and hopefully get the win. Yeah, and I think it'll also come down to, as you said, which team takes their uh, better chances and probably also how North Melbourne, uh, you know, after the game against North Melbourne last week where they sort of came from the clouds, you know, what sort of how they take that into this week's game as well. So it certainly will be a, um interesting game and probably arguably the game of the round, um, even though I know the Sydney uh, Essendon game is getting a lot of uh, kudos. I think it's certainly up there this week for the uh, in terms of top four and finals aspirations for both sides. And then you get what about the uh, matchup from our forward line point of view? Obviously, Rutten and Tarly are going to take Silvani and uh, Hannah slash Clark. Is Brent Riley going to go to Ballantyne, you reckon? Or is he going to they're going to do something different and go to Crozier and try to run off? I don't think Brent Riley will play in anybody really. I think they will probably try and play him loose, and I think the ball will probably match up on him. He generally doesn't tend to play anybody Riley. He he tends to to be that link player out of the back line. He's there, basically the number one ball user out of there. Um, I think if he goes to Crozier and tries to run off Crozier or something. Yeah. I think in, in that case, Ross would probably make the switch and put DeBoer on him. It doesn't matter what, because DeBoer is obviously our lockdown half forward. Yeah. Um, and the other player down there that they obviously use out of the back line is young Brody Smith. Mm. And that would be someone that um, I, you'd probably put Crozier on him. They're both young, so they're both pretty inexperienced. Because um, I, th- I think Ballantyne would definitely get played by Luke Brown. Luke Brown is basically the Crows' replacement for Michael Dowdy, and Michael Dowdy would have been the player that plays on Luke, yeah. uh, plays on Hayden so Ballantyne. So it leaves Otten to play on Main then, really? Yeah, I think that would probably be their best matchup because they're roughly about the same height. I was going to um, say, Otten's pretty reasonably tall. He's on the 190-ish, isn't he? Yeah. I like to call him a poor man's Monday because he's about the same size, moves at about the same rate, but obviously doesn't have the same kicking ability that Monday has. So. <laughs> and pretty much they, they used to play the exact same position, that kind of not, you know, not a key defender, but not a not a small defender either. They kind of sit in the hole, Tweener. take the extra marks. Yeah, and just take the, you know, take the coming across mark. They pretty much played that same role. And I think Otten would move up into the midfield eventually, but obviously he did his knee a couple of years ago, so that's throwing that out the window for now. Yeah, the other the other two players probably after last week was uh, obviously Carriage kicking six goals and getting the rising star and uh, 
He, um, Richard Douglas has also probably come back to um, his career best form after a couple of years ago where I think he got close to a one the best and fairest for them and uh, he's um, certainly shown the goods in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, there's obviously uh, David McKay as well, who's another hard-running, um, decent ball user. Ball, yeah, yeah he's, he's not a he's not a, uh, a great ball user, but he can kick the ball a fair way. Um, and that would actually probably be someone that Mazunga would play on because they're both wingmen and they're both decent speed. Um, and they don't generally play on anybody, so it would probably be kind of a, a life-for-life matchup on that one. But then how is that like going to match up against um, Daniel and Hill? Hill. Well, that'd be maybe someone like um, Bernie Vince, really? Vince and, and Richard Douglas, the only other two midfielders. They don't, that, that's they're one gonna, of the they're gross They're going to be short of pace. They're going to be short yeah. of pace to try and catch, keep, keep and up with us. And I've been saying this to Crows fans for a long time. They generally have a lack of pace across their midfield. Uh, you tend to see the one pace. McKay's probably the fastest a lot apart from Dangerfield. Mm-hmm. But you look at Sloan and Thompson and Douglas and all those guys, and they're pretty much the same yeah, pace. Vince, Van Burlow. Yeah. yeah. You, don't, you don't really have many game-breaking pace well, guys like we do. Matthew with Wright, a bunch of plotters, the next quickest, we, and he's not in the side. Yeah. You think with a bunch of plotters, we're hoping for dry weather to be able to run them off the feet with uh, the Hill and Pierce show. So let's hope for some clear weather. <laughs> I hope so too. I don't want to get wet. All right, so um, we're looking forward to the game this week. So, have we got any? Uh, so, what's the tips, boys? Stefo, what do you think the result will be this week? Uh, I reckon with a bit wet weather, if it does come through, it will be. I don't think we've got the goal kickers to put on a really big score. So, I think it'll be very similar to the Sydney game, and it'll be like a, a ninety to seventy game. We'll probably win by about fifteen to twenty points. So, that's my tip. Very over fifteen. And Valkram, what do you think this week? If it's a wet game, I'm going to go nine points. If it's a dry game, then I'll give us the three goals, 18 points. And Braid? Uh, I think if it's a wet game, it'll probably yeah 10 to 15. And if it's a dry game, I don't think too much more. I don't think they've got much difference, to be honest, with a wet game at, uh, at Amy Stadium. It doesn't generally be too bad. Yeah, and I think uh, Fremantle should... Should get up this week, but I think it will be tight. You know, particularly, I think if we get off to that quick start and put them under real pressure, um, I think we can get off to a good start, and I think we'll probably get get home by about twenty one points in the end. So the last thing we're going to look at this week, um, guys, is just having a look at the uh, sort of this situation, um, and we sort of had a bit of a sort of round table about what sort of which three players do you think will be um, looking on the chopping block this uh, at the end of this season, and which player would you think will be uh, one that we would like that you'd like to uh, sort of trade for as well. So well, I'll go first with um, my three for delistments. Um, obviously, one pending the well, two of them are sort of pending injury to see how they recover with Pitt and Kepler. Um, if they don't look like they've got um, good signs for recovery, or if if they struggle with that, we may have to look at cutting both those two, as well as Folks, who seems to be um, struggling to string games together, and and we're showing showing a bit of depth, but. In the back line with um, Smith playing really well as an option. If we're keeping Silvani as an option for backups between Dawson and McFarlane. So that'd be my three to delist at the end of the year, not including rookies, because I reckon Menegola has a chance to drop off as well. But obviously, we need to make change, three changes at least to the main list. My um, trade bait would be one of Subin or Ibbotson, and they're showing a bit of currency now. So if if another side's looking for that type of a player or someone to fill their half back with 
um, you know, there's someone we can afford to lose and hopefully get something. It might be a second or third round pick or an upgrade or something like that that might be handy for us. Um, and my acquisition or a target would be happy to receive next year would be Harry Taylor still. I think he's, um, yeah, the one that I'd really want, probably even more more so than Buddy. So um, not sure how likely it is to happen, but, um, yeah, that's that's my list management model for the end of the year. And uh, Valkyrie, what about yourself? Um, similarly, yeah, with Pitt, <clears throat> obviously Pitt, um, depending on how he goes, but you wouldn't think that we'd keep playing or not with... Uh, if it's going to be causing him issues later on in life. Um, the other one is Jesse Crichton. As much oi, as cry, oi, 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 oi. <laughs> <laughs> Revise your list, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you did it first, Valkram. <laughs> um, like, everyone loves him, loves the hair, loves the mullet, but, you know, he's, he's given a chance. He's just, I don't know if he has what what's required to, uh, to to break into the side, so... And unfortunately, you've got to make hard decisions, and that's the reason why. Um, and the other one that I had was also Peter Fawkes as well. It doesn't seem to have come on. I mean, I talked about it last week um, with Fawkes as well. And then for trading-wise, it would either, be, again, either be Fawkes or the other one I actually agree with is, is Subin. Seems to be that sort of 21, 22, 23 on the list, sort of just in the side, just, you know, or out of the side, and... I think being a was he he's from called no Ballarat. Yep, Ballarat boy was he? Back smash. Yeah. Yeah, so Ballarat. Ballarat. Yeah. Um I think I think there's a bit of currency for some guys looking for some harder edge bodies and I mean he's 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 been what injured for the most time he's been here, so just having him as a player, I think he's gives some currency they'll be able to get something if we're looking for a trade. Um, free agent would have to be, in my opinion, Buddy. As much as Harry Taylor is good and he's not a free agent, so we'd actually have to trade for him. Um, I think Buddy, like, we don't have anything other than Pav, and Pav's got, what, one or two years in him, realistically? Yeah, so if we did something forward, we've got nothing really moving forward. So, in my opinion, Buddy. And Braves, what about yourself? Um, I'd have to agree with the uh, Jesse Crichton and um, Peter Fox and Jaden Pitt one, so it's probably the most obvious ones when you look at the list. Um, sorry, Sabo, I, I had to go there. Um, obviously, I could go with the, the typical out Pierce, Mzungu and Dawson <laughs> ones, but I don't think people would like that too much, given that they're currently all on the side. <laughs> um, as for a trade, uh, it's a toss-up. Well, I think Silvani could give some currency to someone like GWS, maybe. Um, it depends, obviously, with the change in leadership over there from... Cameron Dashidi, you just never know what's going to go on. Um, and obviously, uh, the other one that no one's mentioned is Zach Clark. It just depends on whether he actually wants to go home. Because if he actually wants to go home, then he's obviously got some currency as it is now. So, And given that we've got Hannah showing up, Sandilands is getting on, I know. But we've also got Griffin, who's shown a lot. And it's an ACL, but uh, Ruckman have come back from ACLs pretty well, generally, from what I've seen. So it's, well, it's a toss up. Yeah, you've got Young Muller, and then of course you can always draft another Ruckman as well. I mean, they're, they're not exactly um, you know rare these days. It seems there's a lot of mobile Ruckman out there. 
Um, as for a target, obviously Buddy would be lovely to have in the team. I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, my my trade target would be uh, would be Jack Watts if we could get him. Um, I know people aren't keen on him. Last week he showed a fair bit. He pushed up the ground. He he took a fair strong, a few fair few marks. He showed he leadership. Players. So yeah. it helps. He's well, really been a teammate. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's a. I think he's let down by a teammates a fair bit there. Um, he does show bits and pieces. I think obviously being in the wrong team, it just he's just not any. I think he's a confidence player, and he needs like strong leadership around him. And I think if we could get him over here while Pad is still here for a couple of years, that'd make a massive difference to him. At the moment, he's got like absolutely no one to learn off what Lyndon Dunn, who used to be their key forward. I think that's pretty much what they used to have. Um, you know, even Brad Miller was before that. They haven't had a key forward since was pretty he much there with Brad Green? He was there with Brad Green, but he wasn't really a key forward to learn off. I mean, he's the experienced person to learn off with, but a key forward to learn off of would have been good. And for someone like him, I think um, some players don't need it, some players do. It's just a fact of life, unfortunately. But I definitely target him. All right, and for my, um, I think the Zach Clark signing will be the crucial one for Fremantle this year, and I think our whole sort of list strategy management model will depend on what he does because I think this year you've even seen uh, guys like Marich and even Sam Jacobs for Adelaide have really the lumbering tight ruckman have really struggled with this new rule change where they're throwing the ball out much quicker. You can see hitouts are down, and some of these, like particularly Marich and Jacobs, are really struggling with that. Having um, shockers compared to last year, so it's definitely affecting them. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, obviously you've got to worry a little bit about how it's going to affect Sandilands getting to contest to contest. And, you know, down the track, I think uh, that sort of mobile ruckman, you know, whether you call it the Natanui rule or whatever you want, but the reality is that those um, quick mobile ruckmen are going to become more and more valuable if they, if they continue to uh, keep that sort of uh, rule change in place. So I think he's going to be a crucial um, piece in the way Fremantle move towards the trade period. I think Peter Forks would have to be on the chopping block at the moment. Uh, as you said, Silvani's shown that he has got the ability to go forward and back. I thought Fawkes was okay the couple of times he came in a few years back, but with Dawson and McFarlane both being pretty robust sort of players, we haven't really had... Um, he hasn't had a chance to show his wares too much either, unfortunately. So, I mean, we, or fortunately, depending on your point of view. Um, the other one, I mean, it'll be interesting to see with Crichton, I think. Um, the I think it's really going to be between him and what they decide with Hayden Sloyth. Um, Sloth has actually been pretty good for South Fremantle. He's pushed up into the midfield, but also shown the ability to play bound back as a or in a tagging and sort of defensive role. And I think if they think that he's going to be more value and has the ability to go up into the midfield as well, he may actually push Crichton out, and then they may upgrade Sloth onto the rookie list. So I think it'll be between those two players actually in terms of who stays. The other sort of one, as you said, I think will obviously depend upon what happens with Pitt. Um, with his heart condition, and I think also how Morabito comes back from his knee. Um, you know, at the moment, all signs are good towards his lad's um, recovery, and obviously, hopefully, touch what he uh, manages to get through the uh, rest of the season and continues for the, you know in the next ten years at Frio. But you just never know, as they, as Menzel showed earlier in the year. So I think he could be the other sort of um, you know key decision they've got to decide on. I think the rest of the side's pretty uh, pretty um, stable, but. Going back to your point, Brades, I think if uh, Mazungu does come back in, I think him and... Oh, sorry, if Morabito comes back in, I think him and Mazungu play a very similar type role in, or game. So it would be interesting to see um, see what Mazungu's role is if Morabito does come back. Yeah, I definitely agree with that one. Um, I, he was obviously on the edge before the Sydney game. He got lucky. He had a good game last week, but he 
wonder what will happen the next time he has, obviously, a bad game, uh, which could even be this weekend, who knows, um, and whether Ross will stick with him. He definitely seems to be playing on the edge, as in the edge of being selected. Yeah, that's true, especially as he's been you know, close with that vest before, and it's the only player that currently I'd feel comfortable with dropping for Morabito when he does come back into the side because it's just too hard to pull anyone else out and really stick to our structures and our best 22 that's trying to play every week. And you can see we're not making radical changes to the list every week. So he's unfortunately going to be the one that we'll have to drop and get in for Morabito, hopefully when it happens after the bye. Yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see as well, um, going back to Braid's point about Jack Watts, what sort of currency he does actually have out there. Obviously, um, even though he was a number one pick, he hasn't, he's, I mean, he's certainly got ability and, and certainly all the attributes you look for in an AFL footballer, but obviously he hasn't put it together yet. So, I mean, some side will definitely take a punt on him, I think, but it'll be interesting to see um, what sort of what sort of uh, price they're asking for him. Um, but I think, uh, I, I mean, Buddy or Harry Taylor would certainly fit in with the model. I mean, if you're not going to, we're not, we're sort of in that premiership window, I suppose. And if you're going to have a crack when you've still got Pav there, I think you have to get one of those ready-made players rather than a sort of 2021-year-old 20, who um, may take a couple of further years to develop. Because I think Moller's still, you know, going to be a fair way off. And I, I've actually quite in, been impressed with Hannah up forward. I think, although he's not super quick, he actually leads pretty well, and his hands are pretty good once he gets. Once he gets his hands on the ball, he rarely gets spoiled once he gets his hands on it. But All right, so there's that, that it, guys. We'll um, probably finish up there and good luck to Saturday and hope we get up. Definitely. I could uh, deal with a win going this year. Um, obviously, last year we didn't get two wins against the Crows, so that was the worst part of it. Unfortunately, it was three, Braids. I'm sorry? Oh, yeah, it was. Unfortunately, it was three, yeah. Probably yeah. so, that early one. Well, hopefully, mm. as I said, we'll get the uh, win this week. So thanks very much for uh, joining us, Seppo, Valks and uh, Braids and uh, obviously Centurions here. And I uh, hope you've uh, enjoyed the podcast and we'll uh, catch you next week for... Well, we'll probably still run one next week even though we have the bye. We might go in a little bit more and that maybe have a sort of half-season review and just see how the uh, side's going from there. And thanks for joining us. And don't forget thanks, guys. to see it on iTunes. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.